Welcome everybody to the Safina Society, nothing but facts, live stream. Some of you have asked that we actually wait a little bit um, so that people could, uh, you know, could log in. But there are more people listening to this on re uh, recorded. So for that reason, we're going to start, we start right away. There's more, we have to accommodate to the majority, right? So the majority of people, probably 80% of any of the listens and views are going to come through the recorded medium. So for that reason, we, we start right away because that's what's going to be more suitable to them. And anyway, even if you come in live, you can rewind. Let's go straight to our topic of the day, which is stories of the Odia. Because after that, there are some news updates that I want to read that could get interesting. All right. We are on Abu Hamid Ahmad ibn Khadrawi, the 32nd entry in Al-Risal um, al-Qushayri okay, by the great scholar Al-Qushayri Abdul Karim. Ibn Hawzan al-Qushayri al-Nisaburi. Okay. That is who we're reading from today. Uh, the 32nd entry is about Ahmad ibn Khadrawi, who died 240 after the Hijrah, which is 854 of the Common Era. He was from the big shiyukh of Khurasan. He was a mufti. Sahiba Abu Turab al-Nakhshi. Qadimani Sabur Wazara Aba Hafsin Wakaraja Ila Bistam Fiziarati Abiyazid al Bistami. Some people call him Bayazid al Bistami. Abu Yazid al Bistami. Wakana Abu Yazid Yakul Anhu Ustaduna Ahmad. We read this last week, but we'll read it again. Should never ever hesitate from repetition. Wakala Abu Hafs Mara Aitu Ahadan Akbara Himmatan Wala Asdaka Halan. I never saw anyone with a greater himma and more sidq. Now remember the difference between ikhlas and sidq. Ikhlas is, is that you're, the reason you're doing something is pure. You have one purpose. or you've, you're, Even if you have multiple purposes, but you've purified your purpose. So that's ikhlas. And ikhlas is extremely, uh, it's, it's the foundation of everything. If you have ikhlas, you'll keep going until you reach your goal. But if you don't have ikhlas, you can easily be diverted. Okay, So ikhlas is what helps us from quitting or being diverted. But ikhlas is not what helps you to succeed. What helps you succeed is sidq. And the difference is that sidq is not about why you're doing it. Sidq is the truthfulness in your claim which tells us that you don't leave any stone unturned in the achievement of your goal. So if you have ikhlas and you truly want to, to uh, let's say, um, make $100,000 for your family, that means if uh, when you get some money, if someone says, here, buy this dazzling car, you say no. Distractions. You keep saying no to distractions. Okay? You don't deviate you're only doing this for the sake of your family you don't spend the money elsewhere let's say i'm only getting this money to spend it on my sick uh, uh child 
So when you, every penny you get, when someone says to you, hey, buy this, buy that, you don't. That's ikhlas. Your purpose is pure. But ikhlas is not what gets you to success. You need sitq. Sitq means in the acquisition of, of the money that I need, have I left every stone unturned? As someone says, listen, you cannot expect to make money. And when you're waking up at 11 a.m., or even 10 a.m., or even 9 a.m., if you want to succeed, you have to wake up early. So he learns that, and whatever, regardless of what, how he feels about that, he makes it happen. No matter how many times he fails, but he starts to get into that habit. Okay? Someone says to him, listen, you cannot make this money where you are. In the villages, there's not enough money to go around. There's not enough work. You need to go to the big city. All right, I'll go to the big city. So he leaves no stone unturned in his in in everything that is required for him to make this money. He makes that money. That's sitq. That's the difference between ikhlas and sitq. You look around. There's a lot of people who have ikhlas. And by the way, your ikhlas is not tested. You're claiming to have ikhlas. It's easy to claim to have ikhlas and while you have no success. Right? Everyone says, oh, we're for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All right, you're living your life for Allah, but your life is not even that amazing. Let's see when you become a millionaire if you live your life for Allah. So you need to succeed in order to test your ikhlas. Okay? Either you need something to distract you. You need the ability has to come around for you to do something else. Right? So if you have no ability, it's like uh, as a Muslim, having left off alcohol, that doesn't do anything because I don't even know where to get alcohol. I wouldn't even know how to start. I wouldn't know the names of the drinks. You're not born into it. So you never had the, 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 the ikhlas in that is, it's minimal, right? The ikhlas of a Muslim, born Muslim, leaving off alcohol, there's like almost no ikhlas. You just don't do it. Say that now to somebody who... Uh, had a lot of uh, alcohol in his life, then became Muslim. It's a different story. So, so this is the important thing. So it's no surprise that he has, he said that this man, Ahmad ibn Khadrawi, a scholar of, of, of Khurasan, of Balkh, he had a big himma and he had the most sitq. Well, that makes sense that these two things go together. Himma is ambition. You could not reach your ambition if you don't have sitq. Okay? If you have a small ambition, you don't need a lot of sitq. What's your ambition today? Well, to go do the groceries, to pay some bills. That's your ambition today. You don't need a lot of sitq for that because that's too easy. But if your ambition today is to achieve 50 things on your list, okay, then you're going to need some sitq because you need to now organize. You need to now avoid distractions. You need to do a lot of things. So the greater the ambition, the greater the sitq. Is needed. سمعت محمد بن حامد يقول كنت جالسا عند أحمد بن خضروي وهو في النزع. I was sitting with him in his last during his last breath, his final breath. وكان قد أتى عليه خمس وتسعون سنة. He was ninety-five years old. فسأله بعض أصحابه عن مسألة فدمعت عيناه. Someone asked him a question about a matter. His eyes started to weep. قال يا بني باب he said, my son, as if to say this is not the time. I'm at a door. I've been knocking at this door for 95 years. Okay. 
And finally, now, at this, any minute now, it will be open for me. Will it bring me misery? Or will it bring me happiness? Okay. Now, we will know the answer. Very soon, we will know the answer. No sleep. There's no sleep worse than ghafla. Heavier than ghafla. And no slavery more possessive of you than your own desires. And if it was not for some ghafla from heedlessness of Allah and meeting Allah, you would never engage in any passions, any desires. There would be no one having kids, no one marrying, no one opening businesses. It's a, except that. And Imam Ghazali says there's a reason for ghafla. Okay? There's a reason for ghafla. Is that uh, Allah has made people. Ghafla means heedlessness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? So heedlessness. The reason for it is that people won't build, people won't marry, people won't do buy and sell. They won't enjoy any blessings if it were not for heedlessness. Okay, tell me to, the honest truth: when a person is eating some good food, they're not thinking of the grave, right? Although this is the most important macro goal is to prepare for the grave, and this is something that it's just a. Uh, Secular world is never going to appreciate. Well, they can't admit that you're going there. They have no plan after that. So this is what Revelation has brought. The most important thing Revelation has brought is where are you going? The second most probably is where did you come from? And then what do you do in between? That's all. That's what Revelation, that's the summary of Revelation. Where you came from, where you're going, what do you do in between then? Next, Ahmed ibn al-Khawari. Ibn Abi al-Khawari. وهو أبو الحسين أحمد ابن أبي الخواري توفي عام مئتين وثلاثين هجريا and he died 2.30 after the hijra ثمنمائة خمسة وأربعين ميلاديا 8.45 in the common era and he was from Syria he was from Damascus and he became friends with Abu Sulaiman al-Darani and others وكان الجنيد يقول أحمد ابن أبي الخواري ريحانة الشام Junaid Salik used to say he is the flower, the good, the the the, the scent, the perfume, and the flower of Asham. وَقَالَ نَظَرَ إِلَى الدُّنْيَا نَظَرَةً نَظَرَةَ حُبٍّ وَإِرَادَةٍ لَهَا. Okay. He he said, من من نظر إلى الدنيا نظرة حب وإرادة لها أخرج الله نور اليقين والزهد من قلبه. If a person gazes upon this world with love and desire, okay, then Allah removes the yaqeen and the zuhud from his heart. Okay. So uh, what it means here, what he what he means by this is the idea here that if you love this hayat dunya, it's only through ignorance, not realizing that it's leaving. Right? And if you I'm amazed by people who experience this. Not just do they uh, live it, but they know it, but they experienced it. You had a nice house, 
that house all of a sudden after 10 years like a rundown messed up place right you got a nice car after one year uh, it's got dense bruises whatever okay uh youth youth get excited by what sneakers clothes like never and there was a guy who uh is a car salesman one time and he told me for he's been in the car sales business for years he's driven every possible car he's driven everything right and he's like I lost any taste for a beautiful car. Like, it means nothing to me. That's the nature of things when they come and go, come and go, come and go. You start to, you, you don't put your heart in it anymore. It's the nature of human beings. So it's surprising that this happens to people all the time. Kids get excited by sneakers. After two weeks, the sneakers all messed up. They got excited by a new pair of jeans. After uh, a month, that's messed up. Uh, uh, anything. So it's surprising why people will get excited by something of this world when it's gonna the excitement level would be yani so bare just minimal very minimal right that's all it's gonna be because you're not gonna also reject god's blessing so you have to have some happiness he said that anyone who does an action that is not in accord with the messenger of Allah's sunnah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, all of his action is all batil. All of that action is completely batil. وَقَالَ أَفْضَلُ الْبُكَاءِ بُكَاءُ الْعَبْدِ عَلَى مَا فَاتَهُ مِنْ أَوْقَاتِهِ عَلَى غَيْرِ الْمُوَافَقَةِ The best weeping is the weeping of a servant, a abd of Allah, regarding what passed him by of time, lost time, right? lost time in obedience of Allah. So time spent doing nonsense. Afdalul buka'i, buka'u al-abdi. Afdalul buka'i, mudaf mudaf ilayhi, that's the mubtada. And then buka'i al-abdi, afdalul buka'i, buka'u al-abdi is the khabar. وَقَالَ مَبْتَلَ اللَّهُ عَبْدًا بِشَيْءٍ أَشَدَّ مِنَ الْغَفْلَةِ وَالْقَسْوَةِ Allah has not tested the slave of Allah with anything more difficult than heedlessness from him. This is, in truth, the worst uh, tests to be heedless because heedlessness, it leads to every other type of act of disobedience and it leads to misery, no doubt about that. Okay. Next one, Ibrahim al-Khawas. Ibrahim al-Khawas. Hmm. Hold on one second. Right, how's it going in the chat? All good? Sandra stuff? Prince Matthew. Been a long time for Prince Matthew. What's going on here? Okay. All right, Ibrahim al-Khawas, what does he say? (laughs) 
أبو إسحاق إبراهيم بن أحمد بن إسماعيل الخواص توفي عام 291 هجريا died 291 هجري 904 common era من أقران الجنيد he is from the colleagues of Junaid al-Sadiq وله في التوكل والرياضات حظ كبير and when it comes to relying upon Allah and الرياضه means pushing the soul to its limits Pushing the nafs, disciplining the nafs. That's what riyadah means, disciplining your nafs. In these book, books, that's what it means. Of course, it could be mean other things in other sciences and disciplines. He did a lot of this. Okay. The scholar is not the one who has a lot of narrations. إنما العالم من اتبع العلم واستعمله is the one who acts upon his knowledge and he 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 acts upon it and he uses it وقتدى بالسنن وإن كان قليل العلم and he acts upon the sunan even if he's small in knowledge and and that's the truth if you have a big alim but that alim doesn't inspire you there's no activity there's no movement he just the knowledge is just in his head that to me it just doesn't move you at all. But then you have sometimes someone with so much zeal and they act upon every single, single thing that they learn. They may have less knowledge, but that's the one who's moving the wheel. They, as they say, move the needle. Okay. The medicine of the heart is five things. Listen up very closely. If you have a sickness in your heart, okay? If you have a sickness in your heart, listen to this. There are five medicines. The recitation of the Quran while contemplating its meanings. Empty your stomach. Go hungry. Fast, in other words. And if you don't fast, decrease your food. وَقِيَامُ الليل, Pray in the middle of the night. Means by this tahajjud. وَالتَّضَرُّعُ عِنْدَ السَّحَرِ And making intense dua during suhoor, meaning the last third of the night. So not only do you pray at night, anytime in the middle of the night, that's qiyam. But also you're making intense dua in the last third of the night. وَمُجَالَسَةَ الصَّالِحِينَ And you keep the company of the Salihin. Uh, you, you cannot have, you cannot do this for a period of time. Not a long, I would say, you keep this up for one week, two weeks. So many of the ailments and the anxieties and the diseases of the heart be gone. So many of these anxieties will be gone. Okay? You can't tell you that, how powerful this medicine. I mean, let's take this, for example. You... Recite Quran in the morning, in the daytime. And at any time you recite a decent portion of the Quran, everyone's going to be different. Maybe a hizb, a juz, something. And you contemplate some of its meanings. When it comes to eating, you don't overeat. Not even saying fasting, just don't overeat. Okay? Do not overeat. Decrease your food a little bit. Especially all the snacking at night and eating heavy meals at night. Why? Because you're going to now have to wake up for tajjud. So then, 
in the middle of the day, at least for Isha or something, go down to the Maghrib, uh, to the masjid. If it's summertime, go for Maghrib, hang out until Isha. Salihin, who's going to be at the masjid? Other people trying to be good, right? Trying to get close to their creator. A class, sit in the class. Who's going to be in the class? You've got to have some Salihin in the class, right? At least the teacher probably may be one of the Salihin if he has this knowledge. Sit in a class. No class, no problem. Open up a YouTube video. Okay. What Sheikh Yahya say about the other day about the spiritualization of technology is that you're going to get the same type of benefit even if you don't feel it, but you will get that benefit when you sit, when you listen to the recording, right? And you sit at uh, uh, and watch the recording. So if you don't have a Sheikh to go to, go hang out, go go to go watch a YouTube video of somebody. Habib the Qadir Saqaf has videos and I think some of them may have even have translation at the bottom. And by the way, even if you don't understand, there's still some benefit by seeing the, the expressions of these people. And then he said, uh, So you set your alarm a little bit earlier than Fetch. Let's say 40 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that. And you wake up for that. You get up, you pray however many rakas that you're capable of. And then you make a serious, serious, serious dua. Tadarru with your dua. Serious dua. Okay? Nothing uh, just throwing words. No, serious dua for whatever it is that your issue is. I can almost guarantee you it's impossible for your ailments and your sicknesses inside of you that are making me miserable, that are making you miserable, they won't continue. They'll be gone. And slowly, your problems will also gone. They'll, they'll slowly unwind themselves, like a knot that gets undone, one, one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. Okay? Next, we're going to read about Abdurrahman al-Darani. وَهُوَ أَبُوْ سُلَيْمَانَ عَبْدُرْرَحْمَانِ بْنِ عَطِيَ الدَّرَانِ He's from Daran, which is one of the villages of Damascus. Who does good in his daytime, he's rewarded in his nighttime. What does that mean? If you do good in your practice, in your spiritual practice in the daytime, you'll be rewarded by waking up for tahajjud. That's a reward. That is your reward, waking up for tahajjud. And whoever does good in his nighttime, good tahajjud, you'll be rewarded in the daytime. When you fight off a passion and a desire, you have a desire to do something haram, when you fight it off, okay, Allah removes it from your heart. Wallahu akram. Okay. Wallahu akram. And Allah is more generous to keep punishing you with a temptation that you fought against. You fought against that temptation, He'll help you. He's not going to keep testing you with it. وَقَالَ إِذَا سَكَنَتِ الدُّنْيَا فِي الْقَلْبِ 
rahalat minhu al-akhirah. If the dunya settles in your heart, the akhirah goes away. وقال ويقول الجنيد جنيد says جنيد السالك says أبو سل قال أبو سليمان الدراني ربما تقع في قلبي النكتة من نكت القوم أياما فلا أقبل منه إلا بشاهدين عدلين الكتاب والسنة Okay he says maybe um, he says that I think what I uh, I don't understand what he means by, by nukta. Uh, he says that an idea or a concept may come into my my mind that I hear from people, but I will not accept it unless it comes with two upright witnesses, the book and the sunnah. This is how we have to handle all things. Every concept that comes, every concept, everything that we hear or see needs two upright witnesses. The book and the sunnah means the sharia has to support it. Otherwise, we reject it. The best of actions is to go against the whims of your ego. Everything has a key. Everything has knowledge. And the knowledge... Regarding خذلان, failure. Okay. Oh, sorry. لكل شيء علم علم flag, an indicator, a sign. وعلم الخذلان ترك البكاء. The sign, the indicator that you are fail, you will fail, that a person will fail, is leaving off weeping. The person does not weep anymore. And weeping here means even just being uh, pensive. Being, you know, thinking it thinking about deeper matters and leaving off this dunya, having pensiveness. Everything has a polish, and the polish of the light of the heart is the emptiness of the stomach. Empty the stomach, keep the stomach empty. Everything that distracts you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause you sadness. Meaning that sometimes you may do something and you have already fulfilled your awrad. You've, you've, you've completed your awrad. You've completed your dhikr. So it's not a negative on you. Right? It's not a negative. It's, it's for you. It's okay. No. Because you've completed your dhikr. But if it's distracting you and taking you away from the ibadah, it's going to be shum for you. Which means it's going to make you unhappy. قال أحمد بن أبي الخواري دخلت على أبي سليمان I entered in upon Abu Sulaiman al-Darani this, We read about Ahmad ibn Abi al-Khawari two people ago or two biographies ago Okay, we read about him today He said I entered in upon Sulaiman al-Darani وهو يبكي and he was weeping فقلت له ما يبكيك I said what makes you weep فقال يا أحمد He said يا أحمد ولما لا أبكي why should I not weep? When the night comes, all eyes sleep. And everyone at, in the middle of the night is alone with their beloved. And the people of love, their feet are stretched. Okay? And their tears are flowing. وتقطرت في محاريبهم 
and the the tears their tears fall off fall down into their prayer spaces their prayer niches ashraf al jalil ashraf al jalil subhanahu wa ta'ala fanada ashraf al jalil all right allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has called out ya jibril okay bi'ayni man taladha bikalami okay speaking of those who enjoy my speech wastaraha ila dhikri and finds comfort to re- in remembrance of me wa inni lamuttali'un alayhim fi khalawatihim and i can, i am watching them in their private spaces asma'u aninihim i hear their their moaning wa ara buka'ahum and i see they're weeping asma'u aninihum wa ara buka'ahum فَلِمَ لَا تُنَادِي فِيهِمْ يَا جِبْرِيلِ مَا هَذَا الْبُكَاءِ okay. Oh Jibreel, why don't you call upon them and ask them, what is this weeping? هَلْ رَأَيْتُمْ حَبِيبًا يُعَذِّبُ أَحِبَّاءَهُ Have you ever seen a, 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 a lover punish his beloved? أَمْ كَيْفَ يَجْمُلُ بِي أَنْ آخُذُ قَوْمًا إِذَا جَنَّهُمُ اللَّيْلِ تَمَلَّقُوا لِي فِي and what will I do with the people who, when the night comes, they come to enjoy my remembrance? I swear that if they come to me on the day of judgment, then I will reveal my countenance unto them so that they may watch it. That they may gaze upon me and I gaze upon them. قال أبو سليمان كنت في ليلة باردة في المحراب. I was in the mihrab one night and it was cold. But he went in the middle of the night. He had a mihrab and he used to pray there. فأقلقني البرد فخبأت إحدى يدي من البرد. It was so cold. I tucked in one of my hands from the cold because of the cold. وبقيت الأخرى ممدودة فغلبتني عيناي. And one sleeve was inside from the cold and one was still out. And I f- started to fall asleep. My eyes started to, to fall asleep. Then I heard a sound. Oh, Abu Sulaiman. So he says that he was making dua, so only one hand was out and the other one was inside because it was cold. He's making dua, but he put one hand in and left the other hand out. So he heard a noise. He said, oh, Abu Sulaiman, we filled the one hand. And if the other hand was out, we would have filled that too. So he said, from then on, I, I... said to myself, I'm never going to tuck my hands in again. Hot or cold, I'm going to keep my hand out in, in my prayer and in my dua. وقال أبو سليمان نمت عن وردي. One time I fell asleep without saying my word. فإذا أنا بحوراء تقول لي. Then I saw one of the حور العين. Dreamt of the حور العين. This dreamt of the حور العين when he missed his word. <laughs> Subhanallah. She says, تنام وأنا أربي لك في الخدور خمسمائة عام. Yeah. You sleep 
while I am here being waiting for you for 500 years. They say the awrad is the, is the dowry of these hur. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. She says, You're, you sleep, and I'm sitting here awake, waiting for you for 500 years. I've been awake. This was powerful. Abu Sulaiman al-Darani. Subhanallah. What are they saying? Say that in Jummah, right? Yeah. Say that in the next Mawadda talk. You say, sister, your husband fell asleep? Tell him. Don't fall asleep. Your Hurunin is waiting for you. Go prepare for the dowry. She's like, okay, and prepare for the divorce too. <laughs> what is going on on... Um, there's a big question. Let's see if mine, if it came up for me here. Is it, may Allah increase them, the sister and her husband? Can you go up and read that to me, please? Uh, yeah, if it's, a, if it's, because I can't see it here. Okay. This is from Sister Mu'mina. Mm-hmm. I feel very confused about when I should make nikah. Have spoken to the brother. Wait, hold up. I'm going to make this bigger. I've spoken to the brother over a week and he immediately involved my wedding. Um, he is flying in today to meet me and my friends and my teachers, never in solitude. And we both spoke to our parents. They are supportive. We want to plan for nikah next week to protect the barakah and not fall into haram. We spoke about all important issues about marriage, but my sister in Islam that took the role of wedding over me said it's too soon and too much, too many decisions. May Allah increase them. The sister and her husband took on the role of wali for me because I'm convert. She said I should get to know him more and wait, but I don't understand why we should delay. I, sh- I thought we should avoid unnecessary talking if we feel certainty. I'm sorry this is long, but... No, no, she's, your, your wali is right. You don't just rush into it. And if just because you like somebody does not mean you've peeled all the edges of the onion. You've only seen the outside. You have to meet a couple times, right? You have to wait a little bit. You have to have an engagement. Then wait. You don't know what's under that onion. Yeah. Yeah, you need time. You need to let this... um, um, Yeah. You need to let it marinate. You have to... You got to peel the onion, Right? So okay, what what you like about him is the face, like the not like the face, the the external of the onion. All right, that's good. That doesn't mean the inside is good. How are we going to know? Casual meetings, a couple times, not with with your wedi or other adults even, if your wedi's busy, and he comes and he brings his parents and you go visit his parents, right? Take someone with you and visit his parents. Don't go alone. Visit his parents, okay? That's how it works. Regular visitation back and forth. That's what you need to do. Does that make sense? Regular these visitations, what's the point? Just go and talk and, 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 and discuss things. Now you can discuss details, discuss side issues. So when you first get to talk to somebody, you talk the major issues of life. After that, now start talking about the ancillary sub things, the methods of how you're going to achieve those things. Different subjects, different political issues, different religious issues. Bring these things up. You may find, oh, wait, this is something I don't like here. 
You may not think that. You may be feel more confident. So they have nothing to lose. Just be patient. But you have to do things that way. That is the right way to do things. Uh, before I get into... Before I get into this, we have an update. We have an update from the New York Times regarding the Hamline University people. Hamline University, just today it was released. They have rescinded their comments. Okay. They have taken back, they have walked back their Islamophobic comments. In an about face, Hamline University, I mean, these, these, this poor little school, <laughs> and this, I know, this little administration, right, who gets no attention ever, they're now in the New York Times for like the second time in a week. Everyone's talking about them. They're being skewered on Twitter. Absolutely skewered. Okay. And they're making an about face now, saying this, this, the school was flawed, all right? Using the term Islamophobia was flawed. Respect for Muslim students should not have superseded academic freedom. Okay. Hamline University officials made an about-face on Tuesday in its treatment of, uh, of a lecturer who showed an image of the Prophet Muhammad in art history class walking back one of their most controversial statements that showing the image was Islamophobic. They also said that respect for Muslim students should not have superseded academic freedom. They're just wishing for this to go away. And also the uh, the Zoom calls for this. I really wish I was there with the trustees and all these. Okay. Um, I'm going to keep reading this, but the sister puts in a, a comment here. She said about this husband. We spoke about marriage, childcare, religion. He's a Hafiz Quran and anti-woke. What else could you want? He's got two eyes, two ears. He walks upright and he's not woke. This is a great guy. Congratulations for finding this brother. And uh, But I would just take it a little bit slow. Give it uh, uh, another couple weeks, month. Trust me, it's the right way for things to be done, right? Have a couple more friendly meetings with the family, with everybody. Talk about different subjects, okay? It's just the right way for things to be done. It's, the hu- it's human nature. To, to be more comfortable when things have marinated a little bit in your mind, settled in the earth, right? When you put a seed in, it doesn't pop out right away. You have to water it a little bit, wait a little bit, keep watering it, and then see what happens, okay? All right, let's get back to this reading. University officials changed their stance after the lecturer, who lost her job teaching, sued them. Of course she's going to sue them, right? It's a wonderful lawsuit because she did everything right. And now you fire me and I get humiliated in the New York Times? Okay. She sued the small Minnesota school for religious discrimination and defamation. I think it's more like breach. I don't know if that's religious discrimination, but let's see. I, I would say we breach of, like, like she followed all the protocols and I still get fired. And for a teacher to not get renewed is akin to firing. Like all organizations, sometimes we misstep, said a statement from Ellen Waters, chair of the women's board of, uh, of the university's board of trustees. So she actually uh, went over the president and took over. So Ellen Waters took over from Fainese Miller, the president. Okay. 
But the statement also had Fanny's Miller's name on it. In the interest of hearing from and supporting our Muslim students, language was used that does not reflect our sentiment on academic freedom. Based on all that we have learned, we determine that our uses of the term Islamophobic was therefore flawed. Yes. Uh, for those who haven't seen uh, our talk about this yesterday, we talked about it in the last week, what our summary and conclusion here was that when you go to a non-Muslim university, you should expect un-Islamic things to happen there. Okay, They're going to teach about a lot of things that we don't believe in. What you should not tolerate is purposefully hateful agendas. Okay? Purposely hateful comments. Purposely hateful lectures and presentations. You shouldn't tolerate that. We have advocacy groups to stop that. But what you should expect, and you should patiently step aside if you don't like it, walk out of the class for that, or if you don't like it, is un-Islamic things. If you're in a home ec class, and they say, today we're going to taste beer, right? You say, okay, sorry, sir, I got to leave the class at this time. Okay, I can't attend. We're going to show images of Prophet Muhammad, devotional images, by the way. It's still haram, but he did it out of devotion. They painted these things out of love of the Prophet. It's, they loved the Prophet in the wrong way. They were not smearing the messenger. They, were do, they devoted themselves to Islam in the wrong way. Do many people devote themselves to Islam in the wrong way? It was a devotional painting. But it's haram. Okay? There's ijma that, of, of that prohibition. And so, they, so you say, excuse me, ma'am, I'm going to step aside. By the way, it's a Zoom class. Mute the class for a second. Go back to the tab that you were on before anyway. And it's over. The statement added, it was never our intent to suggest that academic freedom is of lower concern or value than our students. Okay? Does not supersede academic... Care does not supersede academic freedom. The two can coexist. What is our position as Muslims for academic freedom is that any... Anything can be said that has a sabab shari, kufr, kufr, haram, things can be said if there is a reason in the sharia to say them. Such as, today we're going to study what the atheists say. We do this all the time, don't we? Atheists say X, Y, and Z. Okay? That's what uh, those types of things, there's a reason for it. We in Islam, we probably would say there is no reason to show, there's not a justified reason in Sharia to show these devotional paintings, even if it's devotional. What's the reason? There, there's no pressing knowledge for this, right? What's that, right? I was reading the Book of Assistance yesterday because like, yeah. it was in the chapter of like, uh, upholding the obligations and yeah. basically it was like um, acting without knowledge can actually be like dangerous. And you know the story of the Moroccan guy with the donkey? No, what was it? I'm not even gonna say it. Oh, it okay. <laughs> now you got me peaked. It's there. The guy, the guy. You're kidding me. Oh my gosh. Okay, that's disgusting. But these guys, acting without knowledge, in knowing what is a sebab sharai, sebab sharai to understand our religion, to understand truth from falsehood, right? So. To me, and she's not a Muslim, so she does not ob- obligate, she's not going to follow our rules. All of the academy is not Muslim, they're not going to follow our rules. But I'm just saying, as a point, this would not be Sabab Shari. 
to show naked people in art, to show sacrilegious paintings in art, to show whatever in art is not a sebab shara'i. But in any event, now you understand, have an idea of what would academic freedom like if you are a Muslim professor, you are also bound by the sharia, right? So if you're a Muslim professor, then you have you have to do your job as a professor, but you also are responsible towards Allah. The controversy began in, uh, way back in October. What a bad series of months for Erica Lopez Prater. An adjunct, huh? long time man. marinated for a long time an adjunct adjunct professor warned students multiple times before showing a reverential image okay that's another word devotional painting reverential image of the holy figure which was well at least they call him holy uh, created in the 14th century many muslims believe they are prohibited from viewing visual representations of muhammad but historians of islamic art said that images of the Prophet Muhammad are regularly shown in art class uh, without incident. But Aram Wadatallah, an observant Muslim student, complained to administrators. Dr. Lopez Prater was told that she would no longer be teaching an art history course in the spring. An email to students and faculty from David Everett, a senior administrator, said the instructor's actions were clearly Islamophobic. By the way, I don't think that the Muslim student asked for the lady to get fired. She just fired, filed a complaint, right? Did, did you fired her. Did you have a hearing? An email to students and faculty from David Everett, a senior admin, said that the instructor's actions were clearly Islamophobic. They, it seems they really rushed to a conclusion here. There was, was there a hearing? The university's president co-signed a statement saying that respect for the Muslim students in the online class should have superseded academic freedom. So that's the statement that uh, they had to walk back. All the academic, um, uh, you know, people have uh, people who care about academic freedom slam them on this. Academic freedom has been an especially fraught issue at small schools like Hamline. By the way, this is all hypocrisy. They have no academic freedom to discuss alternative theories of 9-11, alternative theories to the Holocaust. Was it really 6 million Jews that died? Is that number inflated? Is there academic freedom for that? This is all hypocrisy, by the way. And I tweeted, I retweeted a post by a guy who got slammed because the Israel lobby didn't like his post, his comments, in class. He got slammed, and Harvard shut him down and threw him away like a garbage, a piece of garbage. I'll read that in a second. But this is all nifaq. Not, uh, you know, in the, the general national conversation, all about academic freedom for something that would bother a Muslim or relate to the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. None of this would ever take place if it was a Zionist issue, a gay issue, or anything like that. Let's keep that in mind. Okay. While I'm actually supportive here in the sense of, in, in their internal logic, According to secular internal logic, she did nothing wrong, right? Academic freedom has been an especially fraught issue at small schools, which face shrinking enrollment and growing financial pressures. Uh, to attract applicants, many small colleges have diversified their curriculums, tried to be more welcoming to students who historically have been shut out of higher education. Ms. Wedatullah has praised Hamline, which is in St. Paul, 
for taking her concerns as a Muslim ser- seriously. She could not be immediately reached for comment. She must be having a terrible, you know, few weeks. And by the way, she complained to the admin. She didn't read the syllabus. But did she, was she the one who fired the, the professor? No, she didn't. She wasn't, she's not guilty of that. They fired the professor. Did she even ask for the professor to be fired? Or did she just file a complaint? The lawsuit is in the Minnesota District Court. State, just, yeah, you guys better write her a check for five grand real quick and end this. Right? States that Hamline's actions have caused Dr. Lopez Prater the loss of income from her adjunct position. Okay. Give her another five grand. Give her, let's say, 15 grand for an. I'm saying, I'm, I'm pretending to be their lawyer, Hamline's lawyer, right? Let's settle this out of court. You're probably 15 grand for the next couple months that she would have taught in the spring. Emotional distress. Uh, how do you put a number on that? Damage to her professional reputation. She's probably a hero in many circles now, to be honest, right? Job prospects? Nah, I don't think she lost any job prospects. Everyone's supporting her, right? Including us, in the sense that within the internal logic of a secular university, she followed every protocol. As a non-Muslim professor, she showed a lot of respect. We don't expect her to be Islamic in her class but she showed respect she said that in in the syllabus she said it again and there's no pressure it's an online class it's not like it's going to be awkward to get up and walk out right that would be weird she didn't come in the middle of a lecture and say okay now anyone wants to walk out where that's an impossible situation to be in it's weird okay no she told you when the lecture would be given you could be absent that day on top of that it's an online class and you know half the students aren't paying attention in the first place. But I think she, she, and she's now on talk shows, by the way. She's on the BBC. In a statement, David Redden, a lawyer for Dr. Lopez, said that having had her actions labeled Islamophobic would follow her throughout her career. Nah, that's lawyer talk. No one's following her around her career. And hurt her ability to obtain a tenure-track position. Nah, I don't think so. I don't think so. You can, you can... Yes, she was damaged. She probably faced hell for a while. but And you got to compensate that. But that, that's not the case. She'll, she'll get hired next spring. In fact, in fact, she's like a celebrity hire now, right? She's more famous than all these... Adju- she's the most famous adjunct professor in America right now. Name me one adjunct professor. Students out there, name me. You're even your professor. You don't know their name, right? She's the most famous adjunct professor. How many times has everyone said... Lopez Prater, Erica Lopez. So that part I don't think is, is sound. But the damage, definitely, in my opinion, of course, she was hurt by this. According to the lawsuit, Ms. Wedatella wanted to impose her specific religious views on Lopez Prater. How, how does a student impose on a teacher? I don't buy this at all. Okay. Not, uh, also, she just filed a complaint. Anyone can talk. Anyone can file a complaint. I don't even agree the way that she did it, but she's not responsible for imposing anything nor firing her. She should be school, suing the school, not, not mentioning Ms. Wedatella. How does a student impose anything? You have no power. It's like a parent suing a child or call, I'm going to call uh, Family Protective Services to complain about my child. 
My child's yelling at me. Non-Muslim students and Muslim students who did not object to the image, okay, so there were some Muslim students who didn't um, object to the image. So this, this word by the lawyer is nonsense. Impose her views. No. How, how is she going to impose her views? Is she threatening to fire you? She can't fire you. She's your student. Miss Redden said that the university's new stance would not affect the lawsuit. Of course, the lawyer here, this is a big case for him, out in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota, getting a case like this. The lawsuit added that Hamline treated Dr. Lopez Prater negatively because she is not Muslim, because she did not conform her conduct to the specific beliefs of a Muslim sect. Okay. This is all nonsense. To be honest with you. This is all nonsense. You should sue the school for something, but this is the this is nonsense. Nobody's treated her negatively because she's not a Muslim, nor that she didn't conform to the beliefs of a Muslim sect. No, they confused un-Islamic with Islamophobic. That's the... Man, you need a better lawyer. Mrs. Lopez, Professor Lopez, you need a better lawyer. Okay. Did you read this before he handed it in? This is nonsense. And because she did not conform her conduct to the religion-based preferences of Hamline, that images of Muhammad not be shown to any Hamline student. I got to be honest, this is a very uh, weak... The answer is they confused un-Islamic with Islamophobic and fired me as a result of that. Not all of this nonsense. They fired her because she's not a Muslim. What? Yeah, I mean, Professor Lopez, I know you're an art historian. Let me get you a better lawyer. I'll help Sue, Sue if I can get a, a cut of this. I'm telling you, I'll, I'll do a much better job. Many scholars and free speech advocates denounced Hamline's treatment of Dr. Lopez Prater as an attack on academic freedom. The Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, a speech advocacy group, said... She had a right to show the paintings without fear of losing her job. But on Tuesday, Fires, director of Campus Rights Advocacy Group, said that Mr. Everett's comments were legally protected speech because he was stating his opinion. Muslim groups are also divided. Jailani Hussein, okay, the executive director of the Minnesota chapter of CARE, believes that showing the image was Islamophobic. But the national group disagreed. Oh my gosh, care. Come on. Here you are getting mentioned in the New York Times. Why did you have to make a blunder like this? Talk to each other. How is it Islamophobic? It's un-Islamic, yes. Not Islamophobic. By the way, I hate this, I hate this word Islamophobic in the first place. Although we strongly discourage showing visual depictions of the Prophet, the group said in a statement, professors who analyze ancient paintings for academic purposes are not the same as the Islamophobes who try to offend by their paintings. Yes, thank you. Common sense. Let's go to that other article about the Israeli guy. Let's go to that. Open up my Twitter. Someone there who knew this sister, Wadatullah, actually um, asked if we wanted to host, to interview the student. Okay. Yeah, and I said, I mean, I have to disclose that I was against what she did. 
I maybe support her purpose, but to disclose, I was against the way in which this was done. Okay. Kenneth, okay, here's the tweet. Kenneth Roth. Tiny Hamline University has the decency to walk back its position on Islamophobia because it undermined academic freedom. Will giant Harvard University have the decency to reaffirm academic freedom instead of bowing to donor concerns about my criticism of Israel? So what happened with Kenneth Roth? That's what we need to to find out. What is the deal with Kenneth Roth and Harvard? We'll find out. Let's see. New York Times. One hour ago, Harvard reverses course on human rights advocate who criticized Israel. All right, let's read this article. Speaking of academic freedom, when it comes to the prophet, you want to have freedom? Okay. Fair enough, only for the sake of that it is not an intentionally disrespectful painting. He, he devoted himself to the prophet in the wrong way. All right, you get a, maybe a pass on that. But let's see about academic freedom when it comes to a human rights advocate, also Jewish, who criticized Israel. News that the university had blocked a fellowship. They blocked a fellowship for the former head of Human Rights Watch, stirred debate over academic freedom and donor influence. It's still downloading. So let's take... Who's vacuuming downstairs, by the way? That's good. Oh, okay. They're here today? It's raining. They're still working in the rain? All right. Summer, no, Affairs of the Ummah has not moved to Thursday, but we're... um, it's just that these, these articles just dropped today, so I wanted to read them and catch up on the Hamline, because we're not going to cover Hamline again next week. There shouldn't be, Khalasid. We've covered it two and a half, like once last Wednesday, again yesterday, and then the update just came today. Reminder for next week, Shema'il is now Monday, Qur'an is Tuesday. Because anything related to the Prophet tends to, they uh, like to, ulama have always liked to teach that on Monday, to put that on Monday. That's why Dilal al-Khairat, for example, it begins on Monday. Like the first Hizb is on a Monday, if you ever wondered about that. Alright, here it is. Uh, oh, wow, the link is broken. On the New York Times. What's going on? Sketchy, as you guys would call it. All right? Definitely sketchy. So what happened? Sus, sketchy, put all the words out. All right, here it is. What else is it, Ryan, so I can get educated on youth talk? Sketchy, sus, what else? Um, what about... Yeah. Um, the harvard kennedy school reversed course on thursday and said it would offer a fellowship to a leading human rights advocate it had previously rejected 
after news of the decision touched off a public outcry over academic freedom, donor influence, and the boundaries of criticism of Israel. I didn't know that there was, it was allowed at all, let alone having boundaries. The controversy erupted earlier this month when The Nation published a lengthy article revealing that last summer, the school's dean, Douglas uh, Elmendorf, had voted, had vetoed a proposal by the school's Carr Center for Human Rights Policy to offer a one-year fellowship. And that's the end of the download. Weird. What's going on? Anyway, but you get the you get the idea. If it comes up, we'll read it. But okay, here it is. Thank you. All right. He says here that Elmendor at the time. All right, Kenneth Roth, recently retired executive director of Human Rights Watch. At the time, Elmendorf told colleagues that he was concerned about perceptions that Human Rights Watch had a bias against Israel. Bias, or maybe Israel just breaks the rules. Okay. The revelation prompted sharp rebukes from prominent free speech groups. A letter signed more than a thousand Harvard students, faculty, and alumni criticizing what it called a shameful decision to blacklist Kenneth Roth, a private complaints and many private complaints from faculty. In an email to this Kennedy School community on Thursday, Elmendorf said his decision had been an error and the school would be extending the invitation to Roth. Elmendorf is an economist who served as director of the congregational budget, etc., etc., etc. Donors do not affect our consideration of academic matters. My decision was also not made to limit free speech. And you get the point of the article. So they did walk it back. All right, good for him. He gets to have his criticism of Israel, and he gets to have. Okay, he gets to have um, his position at Harvard. Good for him. Okay. Noor. All right, let's go to the comments today. We're opening up for your comments and questions. We got some good amount of time to do this. Dr. Dr. Irin Debayo is giving us awrat for risk. Anyone who needs risk. Assalamu alaikum. Is the madrasa linked with. What? Is our madrasa linked with Darulum Dioband? No. Are you Ahl Sunnah or Jama'ah? Yes, but not linked with Darulum Dioband. Are the, the, the streams on Spotify? Yes, they're all on Spotify. We are all caught up on Spotify. Um, is career Islamophobe Taslima Nasreen has become crippled for life? What? What's up with the, the news lately so, suddenly all of a sudden becoming like really interesting? Okay. Let's see what's going on with this. Ryo, any you got any good comments yet over there on Instagram? Uh, 
Okay, Taslima Nasreen. She's a Bengali, Swedish writer, physician, feminist, secularist, humanist, activist, anything else. Okay, and she writes about the criticism of Islam and the oppression of Islam, blah, blah, blah. And yet she, subhanAllah, she had a medical hip replacement that went wrong. Okay, so I don't even know who this person is, but apparently she is somebody who um, is known in Bangladesh as a big hater of Islam, and she writes against Islam, and she probably uh, got that British influence the same way many, many, um, like Fatima Murnisi. Fatima Murnisi was just vicious her whole life. She said, I never have anything bad to say about the Prophet, but right after him, it's all abuse. All right, Mu'mina is saying, I thought we were supposed to avoid unnecessary talking if we feel certain about getting married. Yes, that, it, that would be the case. However, if you're young, if you're a novice at this, and you're people older than you, people who've been around the block tell you that you do need to keep just chit-chatting a little bit more in a halal way with people around you, no, nothing under the table, everything above board, everything sound in that respect. It is, it is a necessity. You may not know it's a necessity, but it is a necessity to slowly adapt, to, to, to discuss more things, to let things stew a little bit, let the tea seep a little bit. Is that how what we say about tea? Seeping? What is it? Let the tea... What's the word? Simmer. Sim, um, simmer is for soup, right? But what do you do for tea? It, it has to seep a little bit, I guess, right? You got to get heavy a little bit. The Muslim polymath says, how do you overcome obsessive thoughts? And if I show off in my mind just about things is that riyah, no, riyah is only in acts of worship. That you worship Allah for the sake of someone else's um, praise. Let the tea brew. Thank you. Coffee brews. Tea seeps, I think. Someone, someone in the... Steeps. Tea steeps. Okay. I have to get my culinary terminology back up and running. So, uh, riyah is only if you do an act of worship... And you're showing off. Okay. You want the reward from somebody else. But showing off in your head is, will produce ujb. Just like someone keeps looking in the mirror or in their mind how amazing I did, it will breed ujb, self-conceit self or love. Uh, uh, the conceited love for yourself. Because that's not good. But all you have to do is ignore it by putting in another type of thought in your head, right? a better thought in your head. Okay. Uh, Nasim Murad saying, sorry, I am not good in English. I did not mean, are you linked with Darul Imdiyuband? I am asking if the Madaris linked with Darul Imdiyuband, are they part of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah? Okay, yeah, that's a Mushkara question. We say that Ahl uh, 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 the Diobandis are uh, from Ahl Sunnah, 
but if they have a belief like that, that's a belief, any group, I'm going to say any group, but this group, they espouse Hanafi and Maturidi Aqidah. So therefore, they're Ahl Sunnah. And if they have a fatwa or a statement that they hold that contradicts the Ahl Sunnah, then that person would be the exception. That's a fair statement to, to make, right? And we're not going to get into the specifics of it. Likewise, I can say I'm a Ash'ari, I'm a Maliki, but then I could say something that puts me into a bid'ah khafifa or a bid'ah mufassiqa or what have you. There's a guy in Birmingham who says he's a Maliki. Does he mean he's a Maliki? No. How do you motivate college age guys to be active in the Muslim community and join group ibadah? The best thing for college age guys is the suhba to 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 hang around other practicing Muslims and until they themselves find it easy, let it go down easy, just hang out. And college guys are they're fun to hang out with. They do something good, then they go eat and they hang, they have time to hang out. Older guys don't have time to hang out. Edif says, I've reached a point in my life where I don't know what to ask for anymore. Can I just ask for the best outcome possible? Yes, and you can just also just do dhikr instead. Don't, don't forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Man shagalahu dhikri an mas'alati. Whoever got busy remembering me from asking me. I give him something better than what I have given those who ask. So you can uh, uh, you can do that, okay? Is there a reason why historically famous scholars seem to be mainly Shafi? They were the best writers. The Shafi were the best writers. There's no doubt about that. Ibn Hajar, Imam Nawawi, right? They had great writers. It's one of the reasons why. Okay, brewing is the making of tea, whereas seeping is the process that is involved. That's what we call a tafsil, fi, fi, uh, tafsil of the definitions here. Maz says there is so much non-mahram stuff on the net where I work and where I work. How to take my eyes off the opposite gender in these situations. Hmm. But what you have to do is, uh, yeah, and it's difficult. I don't think there's any answer except mujahada. You strive to lower your gaze and only and and make yourself instead of saying what not to look at, ask yourself what to look at. How's that for an answer? If you keep saying don't look at that, don't look at that, don't look at that, that's all your mind's going to be focused on. So tell yourself, do look at this, do look at something else, and that may be the best thing for you. And Allah knows best. Wadiya Tijani says, starting, uh, someone is starting to learn Arabic. What are some tips for memorizing and reviewing this specific subject? Arabic to me is all about the time spent on it. More so than the method, more so than anything else, it's time. It's one of those things that there's no shortcut. And the best thing is a repetition 
okay, uh, a repetition of the lessons. Whether you hear it, read it, repeat it over and over. And of course, with the dictionary. But my favorite way to learn Arabic is to take a passage uh, and marinate with that passage, learn, reading it regularly, going back and making sure I've understood every word. But it also should be an interesting passage. It shouldn't be a. It should be a passage that you're actually interested in. It could be the answer of a fit question that you had. It could be a story. It could be one of the stories of the awliya. It could be a passage of tafsir. It could be a hadith and it's sharh. It could be a proof that you're trying to present to somebody. Most most of us learn Arabic because we need a proof to get back at somebody. This maybe. I think a lot of people that's how they learn Arabic, because. You said something, I disagree with it, I'm going to bring you the proof and I'm going to get you the Arabic quote. And he learns Arabic just for that purpose. So you have to, excuse me, you have to love the, uh, the passage that you're reading. And then you need to go and, and, and read it over and over and over until you learn the grammar, the vocabulary, everything about it. Then you move on to the next one. What can you do about a toxic person you can't get rid of? You can't get rid of them. Why wouldn't you be able to get rid of them? You're always allowed to stay away from people who are harming you. You're always allowed to do that. Even if it's your family, you don't intend to cut them off, but you stay away from them. How did the scholars deal with incriminating people who abuse others? Well, we do have the Prophet ﷺ did teach us that if someone is abusing somebody and there's no evidence but they clearly are an abuser but there's just no evidence what do you do? what you do is what the Prophet ﷺ said to this to his neighbor this two neighbors one said my neighbor abuses me okay so the man brought, the Prophet brought the man and he said, tried to make amends between them another month passed he said my neighbor keeps abusing me there's no specific crime and there's no witnesses. It's extremely frustrating, right? So what did the Prophet say? He said, take all of your belongings, take it out of the house and sit there. Well, that's an odd image, right? My couch, my food, whatever, all my personal belongings, everything's outside the house. So it's an odd image. So he got, got attention. If anybody asks, what is this? What are you doing? Say, my neighbor abuses me. And he did this with one person, two people, three people. Immediately the neighbor came and said, stop, stop. Put everything back. I'll, I'll stop abusing you. So he used public shame. Okay. Reputation. So if there is abuse, but there's no crime, and there's no witnesses, then what do you do? What you do have the ability to talk and to threaten this person by destroying the reputation. With the truth, not with falsehood, not with lies, with the truth. So that's one way to handle abuse. Abuse here meaning it's not a crime. No, no, I can't prove it and nobody saw it and it's not technically a crime but it's abuse. Bin Suleiman said, In ghusl, does one wash the hands again after washing the aura and beginning wudu? Yes. The wudu, the, 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 you wash your aura first for the men because only for the men is touching the member with the inside of the hand or the side of the hand breaks wudu. So when a, mus, when a mus, man makes wudu, he washes his aura first, then he doesn't touch his aura again. Okay? Then he takes a ghusl. 
He does the top from, from his head down to his belly button, then from his knees down to his feet. And he has now ghusl and wudu. And the intent of ghusl includes wudu. But you just make sure you don't touch your member. Women do not have this rule. Touching themselves skin to skin in the private area with their hand does not break their wudu. What's the best advice for hopelessness in dua? I would recite a lot of Quran because hopelessness is strengthened. Okay? Hopelessness becomes hope when our iman is strong. And hopelessness settles upon us like a dark cloud because of sins. So recite a lot of Quran until your iman goes up. Okay? Uh, no... I always wondered how unfair it is for people who aren't born into Muslims' families. Does Allah give them a sign in some way or in another life? I can't word the question properly. If someone is born to a non-Muslim family, okay, if someone born to a non-Muslim family and they never received the message of Islam, they're forgiven. وَمَا كُنَّ مُعَذِّبِينَ حَتَّى نَبْعَثَ رَسُولًا is the Ashari position. That verse is qat'i. There are no exceptions to that verse. If there will be an exception to that verse, it would also have to be mutawatir, as the Qur'an is mutawatir. So that is the verse. We do not punish anyone until we send them a messenger. A messenger here meaning even someone telling you about a messenger. Like every, every all da'wah after the passing of the Prophet, so I sent him, and even in his lifetime, someone telling you that there is a messenger. Okay, so if they haven't received that, then they are in paradise automatically, no matter what they did. They're forgiven because they never received the message of Islam. All right, say, okay, what if in their heart he knows the truth? It doesn't matter because without Quran, without revelation, without a trustworthy prophet and a trustworthy uh, uh, transmitted properly revelation, they would not know that there's a consequence to committing that crime. Everyone would know killing is wrong. You feel bad when you kill, right? When you commit any crime, you feel bad. When you steal, you feel nervous. That's Allah telling us that this is wrong. However, why would I not do it if I'm not informed that there's a hellfire that I'm going to go to, that there's a consequence I'm going to go to? I haven't been told that. So if they haven't been told that, they're forgiven. And if they have heard that there is a religion, that there is Islam, then in the dominant opinion, it's up to them now to research it. And in Ghazali's opinion, which is a minority opinion, they need to be told in a good way that there is a religion called Islam. Then when they observe it and they, there's, they've, they've received it and they've seen examples and all that, now they reject it, that is a true rejection. That is the rejection that earns the hellfire. And Allah knows best. Advice for a brother who's down bad and simping for non-Muslim women who, or a woman who has no interest in Islam if they get married. Simping meaning, Yani? Right? Translation for youth, youth speak? Like being weak in front of women? Chasing after a woman. A recitation of Quran. Much recitation of Quran <laughs> yeah. much recitation of Quran will strengthen your iman and will put a barrier between those and who, those who, ha, who don't believe in the akhirah 
All right, Ben Suleiman says, excuse my French, but the fiqh of selling feet picks. I don't understand. Like for, for weird fetish types? There's women who make a lot of money off this stuff. You're joking. Yeah. I, mean, I wish I was joking, honestly. The mental, that's mental health right there. If you're attracted to feet. Are you serious? It's the, it's that the is so of- weird. That you're, you're, it's like a type of weird zina then. It's not zina of the body, but it's zina of the eyes. Then no. Okay. Um, touching the aura is not, for the man, is not what breaks his wudu. Touching his actual member, his actual penis. Skin to skin. With his, ins- with his hand inside or the side of his hand, that's what will break wudu. Yours only, not others. For example, if you're changing a baby boy's diaper, that doesn't break your wudu. It's meant to discourage a man from touching himself all the time. If you touch yourself, like you're adjusting your pants with uh, your, a clothes in between your hands and your private part, it does not break your wudu. Skin to skin. I think uh, part, like I remember when you came to Rutgers that one time, yeah. you gave the talk on the afterlife, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you said something about like when someone's in the grave, a woman's in the grave and she did a lot of zina and things like this it would like it would come to her like flies coming at her right and maybe this would still apply like people everyone's just looking at her and yep. you know still even if it's not like her aura according yeah. to some schools of thought like it's these flies are all over this person it's the intent too yeah. for example niqab may not be farted in some methods but that doesn't mean placing yourself in a position where people could look at you pleasure with pleasure or literally selling it no one's gonna buy these feet these feet pics for no reason, they're buying it because they have weirdness in them, right? So, haram. All of that would be haram. No doubt about that. Such a weird culture, seriously. You go out east and you see some weird things. Every generation, the, the weirdness decreases in the east as that generation catches up with the general culture of the world. But out in the west, weirdness is developing. There's a new weirdness every every week now and apparently this is not something new to think very strange a Christian asks how is it that Allah can purchase us in Surah Tawbah when he owns everything very good the per- when Allah purchases it's his giving generosity meaning that it in our perception we're making a trade with Allah but more likely, it, it, it's almost as if they say, if an adult gives a, cord, a child a quarter and says, go give it to that poor man, and the child goes, gives it to the poor man, then the adult gives the child a candy bar, right? Like a piece of candy as a reward. So everything is, belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but when we make a trade with him, it's in our perception as a trade. Meaning that, Make a small sacrifice for me in this world, okay? You'll get rewarded in the next world. That's the meaning of it. So it is a majaz, of course, majaz. Majaz being allegorically speaking. Is mantiq and usul al-fiqh the way to increase intelligence? Yes, and language too. Language vocabulary. Learning vocabulary and usul al-fiqh is a branch of mantiq. If you learn mantiq, 
you will learn much of usul al-fiqh. If you learn usul al-fiqh, you will also learn much of mantiq. There's it's just usul al-fiqh is the specialized mantiq in relation to the Quran and the Sunnah. So you will probably learn more technical terminology related to Quran and Hadith when you study usul al-fiqh. DE says, how can one adjust to life after a strong spiritual experience like Umrah? On one hand, Iman's at an all-time high, but on another, I just want to dissociate and can't find meaning in work and social life. You will, and and go keep the company of the righteous that are with you, like in your town, because you'll see how they react, and how they act to things, and how they adjust and live both a spiritual life and a worldly life. And we are never expected to keep the same level as when you're in Umrah. If you keep it half at half of that, that's excellent. I felt like that after Morocco. Yeah. Like Ahmed and Habib were like, yo, you talk less now. <laughs> I was like, all right, this is weird. <laughs> so you keep the company of those elders who have been around the block because if you're, it's almost like if you're in a uh, spiritual vibration, they'll pull you to where is right. They'll either pull you down or pull you up. And that's the value of the elders in who are who are have been around the block on this stuff. Uh, the one who fights Ali, Hassan and Hussein is fighting me, and they imply that to the Sahaba. Uh, no, we say that what it means is whoever fights them for for being who they are not forever who has a disagreement with them. Okay, explain to me then how Sayyidina Ali and Sayyidina Fatima had disagreements, right? How did Sayyidina Ali get his name Abu Turab? He had a disagreement with Sayyidina Fatima and he went and slept in the mosque that night and he rolled, uh, uh, tossed and turned as everyone does when they sleep. So when the Prophet came in the middle of the night, towards towards the end of the night, he saw Ali covered in dust, right? Because when a person sleeps, naturally you toss and turn, right? And he didn't have a, a sheet or a blanket. He just went out and slept in the masjid because he had a fight with his wife, like everyone does. So he goes there, and the Prophet ﷺ looks at him and has sympathy for him. And he says, and he starts wiping the dust and says, Qum ya Abu Turab. Get up, Abu Turab. What happened? And he said, oh, nothing, just what happens between a husband and wife happened with me, right? And Fatima. So does it apply to Fatima now? Subhanallah. So likewise, if Sayyidina Aisha and Talha Zubair disagreed with Sayyidina Ali on a matter, how is it any different? They didn't die upon hatred of him as a person. They disagreed. So a disagreement and ikhtilaf on a matter that is not him himself, nor did they ever accuse him, nor did they hate him. Different on a matter. What is better, istighfar or salah on the Prophet you do some istighfar to open up and then you do salah on the Prophet after that. Because salah on the Prophet has the effect of wiping away sins just as istighfar does. A devil worshipper once asked me if it was possible to free your soul from the devil because they saw I was Muslim and she admitted she had sold her soul to the devil and to magic. Yes, you can by... Uh, if, if this person were to say the shahada la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah and she was to repeat the shahada of la ilaha illallah many many times her shayateen would all leave her 
And if she would start going to places like Masajid, taking ghusl, listening to the Quran, reciting Quran, all that would fight against the demons that she got herself involved in. Fillers versus Botox. Botox paralyzes the muscle. Filler is just silicone. Lip filler, is, is it still impermissible? All of it is impermissible because it is unnecessary. If you had a gash on your lip, if you had a gash in your cheek, whatever, that you can fix that even if it meant making it better. But these things are not necessary and that person should not do those things. How much attention should we give to intuition or gut feeling when we still have a good opinion of someone? Does gut feeling have weight? Yes, if the person in general is a practicing Muslim, the gut feeling does have weight. But you cannot act upon it. You can Gut feeling can make you not act upon something. In other words, gut feeling can keep me away from somebody. I don't feel comfortable with them. But gut feeling cannot cause me to accuse somebody or deny them their rights. Okay? You need extra evidence to deny somebody their rights. Does that make sense? Gut feeling can make me say, you know what, I don't want to be friends with him. Fine, it's not his right for you to be his friend. But gut feeling can't say, I need to fire this person. I need to tell everybody to stay away from him. No. That's the difference. Does Iman include action or is it just in the heart? In our aqidah, Iman is tasdiq, to believe. But of course, Iman will, if it exists truly in the heart, it will reflect itself in action. And actions will increase Iman. That's the relationship. Nida says, what exactly does it mean to sell your soul to the devil? It means that you know something is wrong, okay, and extre- but you believe that you're going to get a benefit out of it, and you still do it. That and you can you re, and you consciously do that, not accidentally nor by temptation. You consciously do that, and Allah knows best. That's what I believe. And also, it could be that you do certain rituals that will gain you some wealth, and they're heretical, sacrilegious rituals. That's a, a next level selling your soul stuff. How to memorize Quran faster while not forgetting old hif. Well, the Hufad say, I can only tell you what the Hufad say, is that the more you recite from memory, the stronger your memory gets. And the more you look, the weaker your memory gets. So reciting from memory is better for you. And then the more you recite from memory, then the more you will, um, stronger your memory will get. You'll be able to memorize more. I think Sohaib Webb at one point said that he would memorize four pages a day. Ten pages in a day. Allah, amazing. And then all he'll have to do is continue to review that. Bin Suleiman is the wife stipulating in the marriage contract for her mahr every year in perpetuity permissible. Uh, if it's permissible for her to ask for any mahr that she wants. And it's also permissible for you to negotiate against that or just say no to that. But the idea that she receives a different mahr every year is a bid'ah and is invalid. There is no such thing. Mahr is one time. It may be paid over time. 
But there's no such thing as every year you're going to give me a mahr. What? No. That doesn't exist at all. She, yeah, what is, she's like an employee who's getting a raise. It, she can say, I want a $20,000 mahr, and I want you to pay me $1,000 every year. If you agree to that, you agree to that, Right? Moin Sayyid says, this is the Moin. Okay. Can you cover the adab related to the Prophet ﷺ? Some say that the shifa of Qadir is too extreme for today's time, often using languages, language which is not befitting the Messenger ﷺ. No, that aspect, using language befitting the Messenger, it still remains. If you're a Muslim, you never, you're never permitted to use language that's not befitting to the Prophet. Like what? You're not going to say ever, the Prophet was a guy who blah, blah, blah. No. That would be, you would get punished for that in the Sharia. You'd be sinful for that. And you're lucky that there was an Islamic state too. Because they would punish you for that. Okay? You would get ta'deeb, to adab, And everything else that would be considered less than respectful. You would be to adab for that. That's that's literally what the book they say in the book. You adab. You should be taught some manners. How? A couple lashes, a couple belts, okay, on his back. No problem. What about projecting your fa- your failings onto him? I'm depressed, so he was depressed. I'm weak. He also faced weakness. Oh, saying for example, well, the prophet faced depression. The prophet was poor. The prophet was weak. And all these weaknesses, no, that's not right. That isn't a polite way to say things. Because you ne- you'll never, you can't use that word because you never experienced what he experienced. You never had revelation come to you and then all of a sudden it disappeared. That's what happened for the time the Prophet was very sad. You could say he was very sad. But depressed, it's almost like a weakness. Something wrong with his character. Okay? No. Um... You can say the Prophet ﷺ was in a weak political position. You cannot say he's weak when he had the strength of 40 men, right? Okay. And some people say things worse than that. They say, We sought you seeking and we guided you. They translate ضالن as misguided. You were misguided. Then Allah brought you back. No. ضالن here means seeking. Okay, so that adab you have to, we have to educate on that. It's not something somebody may may uh, know off the bat. It's something that has to be taught. So we will have to teach that. If you enjoy this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Safina Society and become a patron. You can also become a member by subscribing to the YouTube channel. Hey, Moeen, can you come on, uh, let's say, Monday and talk about the latest in AI? That's, that's a great idea. Let's put that down, right? Because he, he's an AI. He, he knows all about this stuff. See if he takes a, a break. Okay, Shaykh Okay, even the day after then. Something like that. Yeah. See if he can come on and, um, and talk about AI because he's very interested in, in, in the calamities 
that may come with AI. Okay, so put him for Monday, inshallah. And where did you get that calendar, by the way? That's it? That's great. Oh, good. Like, for regular from the internet, not from Google itself. Oh, great. Okay, that's wonderful. Okay. So, um, yeah, the adab with the Prophet is something that has to be taught. Now, next question says. Oh, next, we need to have Nas too, by the way. Can we put him his name down as well? See, these, all these IT guys, you know that they work, and they know that they know stuff. Karim? For AI? He knows stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Muslim Polymath says, I heard that Al-Hazrat, which is Ahmad Rida Khan, wrote many books on Ilm al-Kalam. I don't know about if challenging modern physics. No, I don't know anything about that, to be quite honest with you. What's the best evidence against the Khawarij today who make takfir on rulers and say hukum is only for Allah? The answer to, to that is that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about those who seek other than the rule of Allah, it comes in the Quran three times in a row. In one long passage in Surah Al-Imran. And one time it says, those who seek, who choose a rule other than God's law, they choose a law other than God's law, they are the sinners. The next one says, they are the hypocrites. And the last one says, they are the kafirs. They're disbelievers. So how do we understand this? Well, the first one, if merely by temptation, he chose to, to, give a, to create a law in his kingdom, to apply a law, other than Allah's law, meaning in contradiction to Allah's law, because of a temptation, that's sinful. If the other, the next one thought, and he said that God's law does not apply anymore, it's for the old days. Yes, Allah's law is the greatest of laws, but it doesn't apply anymore. He's, he is in, uh, like, this is innovation and maybe hypocrisy. If he says, no, I don't believe in God's law, I have a better law, that's kufr. So how he goes about it separates between sinfulness, hypocrisy, slash innovation, and kufr. So that's an important distinction to make. Okay. Is it okay to split up 1,000 salawats throughout the day? Yes, it is. You can do 100 200, 500 in different spots. It's all nafil, so you can do that. Um, so Rowena has, has met some devil worshippers. We believe that it is a thing. It is a thing devil worship and they have their own dark spirituality it's called it's a dark spirituality and they can achieve things in this dark spirituality through shaitan is how is dajjal dajjal is not bringing something um, foreign dajjal brings dark spirituality 
Revert Ach says, how can I find a wife? A lot of Muslim women don't feel comfortable marrying a revert. So try to look for convert's daughter. So husband and wife or one of them is a convert and they have a daughter. They should be more, um, they should be uh, more understanding of you being a convert. By the way, right in the Google, in that Google Doc, you can extend the length of the page. If it's cutting off the calendar. Yeah. How did the Prophet deal with mental abuse? That was his cure. The cure, the Prophet said that every disease has a cure. Likewise, every harm in this world has a cure. When they kept making fun of him and they kept saying all these terrible things to Sayyidina Kaunayn. What was his reaction? To go to Sayyidah Khadija. And that's why you have to have a, a, a woman who loves you in your life. If you don't, you're going to be very lonely in your bad times. And in your good times, who are you going to hang out with? Other guys? There's a limit to how much fun you can have with other guys. Does seeing the Prophet, says Al-Yamama, indicate being re- reunited with him in Jannah? Most certainly yes. And it is said, who sees the Prophet وسلم, will enter Jannah. And we hope that to be true. Do you have to perform ghusl after intimacy straight away? No, not necessarily straight away, but before the next prayer, of course. But if you can't, and if you won't, then make wudu first. Make wudu first. Just make a regular wudu. Wash the najasa off, make a regular wudu. That'll protect you from shaitan. But you'll still be junub. It'll just protect you from shaitan. And that wudu is only broken by another sexual intercourse. It's not broken by going to the bathroom. That is a special wudu that does not allow you to pray but protects you from shaitan. Does not allow you to enter a mosque or touch the mushaf or recite the Quran because you're junub. Okay. As a woman, washing hair every day is not good for hair. So do I have to wash my hair every time for ghusl? You have to scrub in the, uh, the scalp and you have to, the hair has to get wet. But do you have to get shampoo and, and do a whole wash? No, you're not obligated to do that. You, you, you're, the shower is going to go on your hair. You're going to scrub your scalp. And your hair will get wet. That's enough. Uh, Dino Palaver says, Did Imam know he died from Qutbiyah? Allahu Alam. There's a neighbor that abuses everyone in the neighborhood. She leaves trash everywhere and uh, dog uh, feces everywhere. Someone beat her up. Okay, because the, the, they called the police. The police did nothing. Would this be haram? I, Allah, Adam, I think that if your property is being abused by people then and you took the matter to the police first, and they didn't do did nothing. Then you took the matter into your own hands. If it's haram, this, the the punishment of it is that you may be taken to court for assault and battery. Someone asked about salah at tasbih earlier this week. Any chance you have an idea when you will discuss it? All right, let's discuss it now because we'll probably forget to discuss it because it's not one of those things that 
that hap- that comes up a lot. Salatul Tasbih is a salah done consisting of four rakahs. Each rakah possess- is possessed of Fatiha and the Surah. Okay? Each rakah is also possessed of 75 recitations of Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Wa La Ilaha Illallah, Wallahu Akbar. That's one. Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Wa La Ilaha Illallah, Wallahu Akbar. That's two. Okay? In total, each rakah, 75 times you're going to say that. How are you going to say that? The following. 15 before Fatiha. 10 after Fatiha. 10 in Rukua. 10 after rising from Rukua. 10 in the first Sajda. 10 when rising from the first Sajda. Sitting. And 10 in the second Sajda. That's seven times. And in the first time, before Fatiha, 15. Okay? Seven positions. Before Fatiha, after Fatiha, in Rukur, rising from Rukur, in Sujood, in sitting, in the second Sajda. Ten times each, with one extra, five extra in the very first position. That consists of 75 recitations of that dhikr in each rakah and that brings you to a total of 300 repetitions of subhanallah alhamdulillah la ilaha illallah allahu akbar and that dhikr replaces the tasbih of ruku' and sujood okay that's it that's salatul tasbih you can do it anytime as long as it's not the makruh time Prince Matthew has um, been in military service for the past few months, except for a few days, so he's catching up. MashaAllah, Prince Matthew is one of the first early people to be on the live stream, and then he went and got called in for military duty. Uh, Alhamdulillah, the Darfat is going well. We're in our second semester now of our pilot program. Alhamdulillah, it's doing well. The soup kitchen is also doing well, and very soon we will be showing you all the renovations but it's taking its time and we're not in a rush but we we will we are almost done alhamdulillah what is the benefit of reading surah al-baqarah every day there is no specific sunnah to read surah al-baqarah every day but if you do of course there is no harm in that and it, it will protect you from sihr and it'll protect you from the shayateen with the extra special protection surah al-baqarah is known to guard against sihr how do you answer someone, says Maryam, who said that the Qur'an is not a book from Allah and that it contains many contradictions? If it is a non-Muslim, then ask him, show us the contradictions because there are no contradictions in the Qur'an, but there may be apparent contradictions, which is not a contradiction at all because the perspective is different. Okay? Like we were talking the other day, if I say I'm moving, right now I'm moving, and I say I'm still, I'm correct in both perspectives. Or in both statements, I'm I'm still meaning my limbs are not moving, but I am moving because the whole earth is moving, right? So in many ways, the Quran has one verse talking about one perspective, one verse talking about. It. We just said the meaning of whoever prefers another law over God's law is a sinner. Next verse is a hypocrite. Next verse is a kafir. Because there's a different perspective on why they're preferring another law over God's law. That's called ikhtilaf al-jihah. 
اختلاف الجهة in منطق means from a different perspective. Okay. How do I keep motivation for seeking knowledge? Recently, my uncle asked, when will I get a real job? And I have whispers that I am not strong to seek knowledge full time. Well, I don't know about your perspective and the job and how you seek knowledge. But the motivation to seek knowledge is oftentimes trickled down from the top. It trickles down from the scholar, the teacher. That teacher, when he's teaching, he's got to always keep in mind that his students can have a potential to get bored. They're human beings, right? So it's up to the teacher to always drum up the love of knowledge. The best way is to show what is, what is life like when we apply it. Talk about people who need it. Talk about people who are fighting it, right? And show why we need this knowledge. That's up to the teacher. Moin says, where do people send in the questions? Right here in the chat. And there are other questions in Instagram. I got Instagram on my iPad and YouTube on my phone. And I, I always tend to, unfortunately, ignore the poor people on Facebook. Let's see. Because I've said this many times, Facebook is, it's a, it's a, it was a great app, to me, in my opinion. They've done so many changes to it that it's, it's hard for me to bear uh, Facebook anymore, to be honest with you. It's hard. It's just there's so much. They put so much. Uh, little buttons everywhere and options and even if you if you put someone down to create a post that's it if you open sit someone down and open up the um the browser to facebook and say write a post like you have to think you know so they they in my view have messed it up okay in my view they messed it up All right, next question. If a guy is not a hafiz, should he not look for a hafiz when trying to marry because he should be the imam in the future home? No, it's not about being a hafiz or not. It's about fiqh, fiqh and devotion. It's about having more knowledge. You can be a hafiz, and, and this is something we were talking about with Sheikh Nisar, uh, that Let me read to you exactly what Sheikh Nisar said. Me too, exactly what he said. Like, is it fair to say that it's less about like the relative of one to the other, more about the man has to have the qualification, like has to have the ability. Mm -hmm. Like, say, like a man, the man is a scholar, the wife she's mujtahid. Yeah. Like, is it? It's not like this is like the man still has the capability to lead the house and everything. Correct. Not just because she knows more doesn't mean he doesn't know anything, right? Correct. The baseline of the imam of the house is what? Is f establishing obligations, keeping out the prohibitions, right? And pr physically protecting the family. Just because she has more knowledge does not deny him the ability to do that. She follows him in that. Right? That's it. So what Sheikh Nisar said here, and Sheikh Nisar, I'm recording this to you from the live stream, just to two, hit two birds with one stone. He said, what does not being a hafiz have to do with anything? A lot of my teachers in Pakistan were not hafiz, but they were great scholars, right? So it does help with your studies, of course, but they're not hafiz or scholars. So 
he's saying that many fuqaha they have a lot of knowledge but they weren't necessarily hufad it would be wrong for someone to promote the idea that just because a person is not a hafiz takes away from his knowledge of fiqh or aqidah in fact quite the opposite is easily proven i can easily prove to you many hufad and show you many hufad that cannot answer basic questions in fiqh and aqidah i've seen it with my own two hands uh, with my own eyes I've seen with my own eyes a man say, uh, okay. And he said, right in front of us all, he said, that means every one of us has a little bit of peace of Allah inside of us. He blew inside of us. It's a kufri statement, subhanAllah, from a, a, a hafiz, and a well known hafiz at that. Let me tell you that, right? When he says, I blew in him from my spirit, so prostrate to him. And he, say, he, he said, literally, he said, that means every one of us has a little piece of Allah inside of us. Because Allah blew some of his spirit into us, in the womb. This is a kufri statement many times over, and the true meaning of it is that it is the attribution of tashrif. Allah is attributing the soul to himself as ownership right and a marker doesn't allah own everything yes but it's a marker of honor okay it's to show the great value of the ruh by allah himself directly claiming ownership to himself whereas he owns everything of course but he honors something when he attributes it to himself so All right, next question. Rai, read me something. Okay, I really wish what you said about seeing the Prophet was true because I saw him a decade ago, but have not found someone to interpret it yet. I don't know what he means by that. That's not really to interpret the dream? Mm, it's hard to find dream interpreters, to be honest with you. I, I don't have much help for you on that one, unfortunately. Is Tartib Farad for Ghusl? Is Tartib Faraj for Ghusl? Sunnah. Can misguided be a possible meaning but only applied to us? Prince Matthew is asking. All right. Um, it was this is half a question because what's the full question there, Prince Matthew? Chocolate Wallace is, 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 is sort of making a, a question, but let me answer it anyway. Uh, he's sort of making a joke, but let me answer the question. He's saying the mahr ad, ad, uh, adjusted for inflation. No, that's not allowed. You cannot do that, right? Unless you specify that the mahr will be the, the financial value of this bundle of goods, right? So yes, the financial value of five... Um, 50 grams of gold every year for five years that's 250 grams of gold right so but i want it in dollars that's fine if you agree to that it's fine so then every year on january 1st you're going to see what is 250 grams of or 50 grams of gold value in u.s dollars and you pay her that as the mahr if you agree but it is never in perpetuity forever like this every single year it's not like that it has to have a limit why? Because when we buy and sell, 
We must know exactly what we're given and what we're taking, and nothing from either party can be open-ended and unknown. Okay? It can't say, for example, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give me your laptop, give me this, your, your laptop, and for the next three months, I'm going to give you 10% of what's in my bank account on, January, uh, on the first of the month, right? No, it's unknown. You can't make that trade. You can't make that deal. Is it sinful to forget a surah? No, it's not sinful, but it's uh, aib, basically. It's like a defect in, our, in ourselves. And we should never say, I forgot it. We should say, I need to review it. Can a man wear a metal ring? Yes, inshallah, I can wear a metal ring. Okay, there is a picked question from about Yemen here. Which forms of contraception are women allowed to use? All of them that are not harmful to the body. There's punishment in Islamic court for killing a family member. Same as any other killing. This happens in Yemen sometimes and there's no punishment like when they kill a woman like their sister for honor. La, la. That's jahl. That means if your sister or your daughter, for example, does something dishonorable and you kill her as a result of that. No, we don't have that concept in Islam. Daydream of Autumn has put down the seven positions in which we make tasbih in Salat at tasbih Thank you very much. It's always good to learn something new in fiqh. Okay, Al-Yamama says, please don't spread false information about Yemen. Don't. Spreading false information about, uh, about Yemen? Yemen, you're going to find the nicest and humblest people in Yemen. And Sudan, to me, those are the two countries that just my personal uh, interaction with them. Slave King says, proof number one, it is a non-linear book. It's oratory passed down from mouth to mouth for 1,400 years. That is a massive miracle. Word for word, letter for letter. It's used as the art of a, of a civilization. The calligraphy is our art. Okay, It's used as the sound, what we listen to. Okay, Like the in the... They used to sit down and listen to Abdul Basit and Mustafa Ismail and many until today. You sit down and you could listen to these reciters forever. Okay. Uh, it's used as medicine. We do it by ruqya. It's used as um it's used for law. It's used to understand the past, the future. For it's recited for spirituality. Even if we don't understand it, we get spiritually cleansed from it. And it clears out a lot of the bugs in our head. Like a bug fix for a computer. It's a recitation of... So what other book does all of this stuff? Sayyid Samdani is here. MashaAllah. MashaAllah. And let's have him on the stream, maybe. Right? Let's have him on the stream. No one 